Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. seems to me today that God's talking to us about cleaning. Um, that's all I've been able to hear as I've listened already um, this morning. Um, and as we prayed in the prayer room before church, I saw a picture of glasses that were very dirty. I don't know if you wear glasses, but it's really annoying and you can't see much when they're really dirty. And I think God's wanting to open up our eyes to see some new things, perhaps today, to see more clearly or perhaps to see for the first time something that we haven't seen before. So that's my prayer for us this morning. And today I'm talking about our heart in this series of Shape. H is the heart. We're looking at what our heart is and what are the passions that God has placed in our heart. If I think about the word heart, I first of all think about physical heart, a strong muscular organ that's in the core of our body. It's very central to life, it's vital to life. We all know that if our heart stops, we stop. That's our physical heart. And we can also use the word heart in an emotional way. We talk about our sweetheart, or I lost my heart to that person, or that person broke my heart. That's our emotional heart. But this morning we're wanting to look at our spiritual heart, And we also talk about that in our songs. We say, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, when we're worshipping God in song. And just like our physical heart is vital to our physical life, so our spiritual heart is vital to our spiritual life with God. It's the very core of who we are in God. We talk about our hearts being set apart for God, our hearts being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And I remember an illustration from my Sunday school days, and this is very much what Jason was saying to us this morning. Three hearts we had. The first one was a black heart. We are each born into a broken world, and we are separated from God by our sin. That's the black heart. Then there was the red one. The red one represented the blood of Jesus. When we commit our lives to Jesus, we ask him to cleanse our hearts with the blood of Jesus. Red for the blood. And then there's the white heart, the heart that is then cleansed, set apart, holy for God's purposes. The heart that God has planted into seeds of abilities and passions and hopes and dreams that he places in each one of us even before we were born. He knows what they are. And this is what we're unpacking in this series called Shape. The Bible talks about our heart many, many times. I've just got a couple here today that I think are very special. Ezekiel 36, verse 20, where God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Other versions say, I'm going to give you a new spirit within all of your deepest parts and I'll remove that rock-hard heart of yours Replace it with one that's sensitive to me, tender and obedient to me. That's what God does for us when we give our life to him. And he also tells us to guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23 Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. 
this heart that God gives us, we need to look after that. We need to ensure that we don't put things that are not of God into our heart. We need to protect it and we need to feed it with strong, healthy, godly things. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. That's how important our heart is to God. And if I think of an example of heart in the Bible, the first person I always think of is King David, the king of the Israelites. He was called a man after God's own heart. And I think that's one of the highest honours that you could ever give to anyone. Because if I think of God's heart, I think of words like love, purity, hope, joy, peace, compassion, justice, forgiveness, healing, strength, power. If we were to be all those things, wouldn't that be amazing? God's heart. So God said about David, he will do everything I want him to do. And this is a characteristic of a heart that's given to God. And I think that's a challenge for each one of us today, that we should have a passion to be obedient to God. When we've invited him into our heart, to live in our heart, we've given him permission to come in, we want him to be the steering wheel, the driving force of our heart, we need to be passionate about obeying him. Back to King David. He was a mighty warrior, a powerful king. He won many battles. From his lineage, Jesus Christ was born. But he, like us, was human. He, like us, also sinned. And probably the most well-known sin that we would think of was when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He was out on his rooftop and he saw this beautiful woman bathing. And through his eye gate, he beheld his beauty and took it into his heart and he committed adultery. Then he had the husband of this beautiful woman sent to the front lines of battle for the purpose of having him killed so that he wasn't around anymore. He was a sinner, just like you and me. But the Psalms speak very eloquently of David's repentance. He was a man who was humble for God, before God, and when he realised what he had done, these are his words in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. His heart was open to God. He was humble. He was a man who waited upon God's timing. Time and time again, he could have stepped in and become king as God had promised him, but he waited till it was God's time. He was a man after God's own heart. So today we're looking at our own hearts. <coughs> What's in our own heart? What has God planted in you? What is your passion? And I think before we look at what our passions are, we need to look at having a clean heart also. And Jason has so beautifully led us through that process. In it doesn't matter if we're someone who has walked for years with God or whether we've just met God today, whether we feel close to God or whether we feel like he's a thousand miles away from us. We need to come and have clean hearts before him and lift to him the things that may be in our hearts that we need to release to him. So I want to do a little exercise here, and I invite you to participate in this. 
if you wish. If you take your hand and just close your fist in front of you, and this is just between you and God, nothing to do with me or anyone else around you. And think about what the things might be that you might be holding in your heart if there are things. Maybe there's not. Maybe you've got some hurt there. Maybe something's happened long ago that you wish you could get rid of, but you haven't been able to shake off. Maybe someone has spoken something about you that you know is not true. And particularly in relation to what we're looking at in this series in terms of spiritual gifts. Perhaps you know what your spiritual gift is, you've stepped out to use it, and that's been a bad experience. Maybe you know what your gift is, but no one has recognised that for you yet. Perhaps you know what your gift is, but you're too afraid to use it and you need God's courage. So let's bring those things to God now. And we thank you, Father, that you are here. And as we each hold those things before you, God, you know what they are because you know us better than we know ourselves. And today, in the physical act of opening our hand, we want to release those things to you and allow you to work in and through us in those things. Father, we pray that you would pour out your healing and your grace and your love into each of our lives, that you would refill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us eyes to see what you're wanting us to do and ears to hear your voice as we walk in this journey of discovery together as a church body. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come and the new... The old has gone, sorry, and the new has come. This is God's promise to us as we step into life with him. And I love some of the footnotes that I found on this verse. Christians are brand new people on the inside. That's you. The Holy Spirit gives them new life and they're not the same anymore. We are not reformed, we're not rehabilitated, we're not re-educated, we are recreated in vital union with Christ. At conversion, we're not merely turning over a new leaf, we're beginning a new life under a new master. We are his masterpiece, and Simon spoke to us about that a few weeks ago. We are his masterpiece. So let's look into each of our hearts, into each of these masterpiece hearts, and see what is in there and what is our passion. I found this great definition of passion. Passion is the fuel of life. It's a great source of energy and drive. It's what makes us explore new vistas, develop new relationships, and seek solutions to perplexing problems. Passion is the fuel of life. It's that thing that gets you going, the thing that interests you, the thing you want to talk about, the thing you want to spend time in, the thing that really sets you on fire, your passion. How can we identify our passions? Today is just part of a journey. 
We might not walk out of here with black and white answers to the questions that you might have in your heart, but this is a journey of what we're looking at together as a people of God. It's meant to stimulate discussion, create questions, send you to ask others what they see, so that we can each discover who we are and step into that in a greater way. Each one of our, us will have a passion that is unique and different and special. That's because God made each one of us unique and different and special. So there's no surprises about that. You might find people who are similar to you, but you will be unique. God has planted seeds in your heart from before conception for who you are, for what he's created you for, for the calling and the purpose that he has on your life. So today I've got some clues, you might think they are, things that might help you to think about what your passion might be. The first one is money, and we all groan. There used to be a saying, if you look in your checkbook and read what's on the check butts, you will very quickly get a picture of where your values and your priorities lie. Now, I know we all have things that we have to provide with our money, if you have a family, if you have a home, a car to run, etc. But if you have a little bit of spare money outside that little box, what would you do with it if it was your choice? If you could do whatever you liked with it, what would you do with it? That might be a clue. Today, by the way, if you're young and you don't know what a checkbook is, if you look at your credit card statement or your online banking system or however you keep track of your money, that will tell you the same thing. Time is another thing, similar. We all have to spend time doing the things of life that are before us. Eating, sleeping, going to work, going to school, whatever it is that our life consists of. But outside of that time, what do you do with your time? That can be a clue as well. Or while you are at work and you are at school, what do you dream about while you're doing your work? What hope, what desire do you have in your heart? Another thing can be the causes that you support. And the best illustration I can think of for this was immediately Relay for Life. Who would get up in the middle of the night and go down to the Oval in whatever weather conditions and walk round and round in the dark. All these people have had their lives touched by the disease of cancer. It's either been in their own life, in someone else's life, someone they know, someone they support, and they've recognised the impact that that's had on their life. And so they're out there wanting to support these people, wanting to raise funds for research, wanting to find a cure. No one asks to have cancer in their life but sometimes that's our journey. And so this is a cause that has become part of these people's journey and they pursue it with passion. And that can happen to any one of us on any other topic as well. Sometimes we grow into our passions and we might start something and think, this is really good, this is great. Let's look at this a bit further. And I've thought of the illustration of our Mainly Music program here at church. Mainly Music is a preschool child program that runs on Friday mornings where mums come with their children and they enjoy time together and they have some time sharing around music in various forms. And I know within that program there have been women who have come probably for various reasons. They want to spend time with other young mums. 
They want their children to spend time with other children or maybe they like music and they want to put that experience into their child's life. They come along, they meet people, they enjoy the program and they find a little bit later down the track they might be helping with the program. They might be helping with morning tea or other activities that are needed in getting this program happening. And I know there's girls who have come to this program who are now leaders in mainly music because they've become passionate about it. They really believe that it's a great thing, they recognise what it's done for them and for their child, and they want to help other people enjoy that experience as well. So they have grown into that particular passion. Sometimes another clue is to look at who we relate to well. Do you relate to a particular age group? Are you able to spend time with little children and do that with great ease? Can you talk to a teenager that nobody else can even get to open their mouth? Do you love to spend time with older folk and enjoy learning about what their life has been like? Or perhaps you relate to a particular people group or maybe a group of people who um, are centred around one thing, you know, people who have a particular disadvantage or people who have a particular disability. You feel drawn to helping them for whatever reason. That can be a clue. And you know, as parents, we have great opportunities to shape our children. To have a child given to you as a gift from God is just an amazing experience. And we have the opportunity to take this child, to nurture them, to nourish them, to watch them grow, to see what they're interested in, and to give them opportunities to grow into the things that we see they're good at the things that they're interested in. And we have a God-given opportunity to really shape these people for God. The Love and Logic program that we offer here at church is also another great way of shaping lives for Jesus Christ. Sometimes our journey can unpack and we can find our passions just one step at a time as we follow the prompts that God puts in, in front of us. And I think of our own Rochelle Busbridge, and I've asked her if I could share this. Rochelle was interested in mission, so she went on a short mission trip. That was good. She came home, and then she went on a longer mission trip. That was good. She came home. She heard God prompt her to go to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, in Perth for six months, where she lived with other people who had different experiences and together they explored what mission looked like and she had a lot of new experiences in her life there. <coughs> Currently she's at university in Melbourne because she felt God prompting her in the area of dietetics. Who knows what God will do with a young woman who is prepared to step out and follow God who has a qualification in dietetics and loves mission. God knows what he can do with that. Another way we can find an answer to this question is to listen to what people say. Because often people will comment on what they see in us, even if they're not intentionally giving you that information, they might say to you, gosh, you did that well. That looked like that was really easy for you. And you really loved that. I could see that on your face. Those little clues tell you what might be something that is a passion of your heart. And lastly, there's a question that I think reveals a lot. If we think about what we see and what we hear in particular situations, 
And I've got a little story here that illustrates this very well. It's a story about Dwight Moody, who is a powerful evangelist. And he was standing in a room in a London building, looking out the window with numerous other men. And the question was asked, what do you see? And the other men commented on the buildings, the sky, the people that they could see, the skyline. And when it came to his turn, they said to him, what do you see? And with tears running down his face, he said, I see countless thousands of souls that will one day spend eternity in hell if they do not find the Saviour. His passion was to share Jesus Christ with other people. And he didn't see the physical thing. He saw the spiritual need of those peoples and, and it moved him to tears to even express that. He was an evangelist. If you find yourself in a situation where you feel moved by something, ask yourself what that is. What is it that's ticking your heart? I want to read to you now from John 6, verses 1 to 13, and this is from the Passion Translation, and it's called Jesus Multiplies Food. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Lake of Tiberias, which is also known as Lake Galilee, and a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. They were attracted by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Jesus went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. Now it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover and there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. There's the writer's wanting to make us aware that this is just not an ordinary crowd. There's lots of people from other places that are here and there's a lot more people than usual. As Jesus sat down, he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. And I love that. Jesus always knows what he's about to do, but he asks us questions to stretch our faith. Philip answered, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. That's a fairly practical observation. But just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, look, here's a young man with five barley loaves and two small fish, but how far would that go with this huge crowd? Have everyone sit down, Jesus said to his disciples, and I can't even imagine how to make 5,000 people sit down without a microphone. So on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and he gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied, with everyone eating as much as they wanted. And I've tried to imagine what that would be like. You know, if Jesus gave you one loaf and said, go and share that, and you gave that loaf to someone else and it was still in your hand when you kept giving it to the next person. It's just an amazing thing. It's a miracle. 
When everyone was satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, now go back and gather up the pieces left over so that nothing will be wasted. The disciples filled up 12 baskets of fragments and a basket of leftovers for each disciple. So they started with five loaves and two fish and they fed 5,000 people and they had 12 baskets left at the end, which is more than they started with. What God can do. Something so small, yet God can make it into so much more. Let's pray again, and I invite you to open your hands before God as we pray today. Father, we come to you with our hearts this morning. We thank you that you are our saviour. We thank you that you have created each one of us uniquely and different, and that before we were even born, you knew who we were and you knew what you have planted in each one of us. Father, as we walk on this journey of discovery, of looking to see what our passions are and how we can use them for you, we want to give you what we have in our hands today. It may only be a little thing, but we offer it to you because we know that you can do great things with small things. Jesus, you knew that each one of us was going to be here today and you were expecting us. And we thank you that we can meet with you. We give you permission to be at work in our hearts to continue to nourish and guide and direct us, that we can grow in you, that we can use what you have given us for your purposes and for your glory, Lord God. We pray that you would continue to give us clean hearts, clean eyes and clean ears to be able to hear and see you, that you would unveil our passions to us and that we would be able to pursue you in that. Father, as we walk with you in that process, we wait on you. We don't want to rush ahead or walk behind. We want to walk in your timing. And Lord, wherever that journey takes us from this day forward, we pray that our hearts will beat for you, that our hearts will beat more strongly each day as we walk with you in this journey called life. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.